Is that better? All right. I was using my indoor voice anyway. Well, it's good to be with you all. Uh, if I've not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Adrian Pino. And those of you who are joining us online, we are so glad that you are here to worship with us. How many of y'all excited to worship Jesus today? I get a little excited about worshiping Jesus. So it's pretty cool that the scripture tells us that there's something beautiful when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. And as we look to around this room, you'll see people from different ages, different backgrounds, different ethnic groups, and we all get a little taste of heaven today on this Sunday morning as we experience Jesus together. So let's go ahead and let's stand to our feet. We're going to go ahead and pray and ask that God's presence be with us so that he can challenge us, so that he can change us, so that way we don't just sit as sideline uh, side viewers in this, but that we actually enter into what God has for us today. So let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity that we have to worship together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We recognize that this is a holy moment, that whenever your people gather together and wherever our feet may be, when we are present together, you are there. So we thank you that you are here today. We pray that all the cares of the week would just fade to the background and that in this moment, at this time, at this day, that we would live for such a moment as this. So give us the ears to hear what we need to hear. Give, let our hearts be open. May it be fertile soil and not rocky soil. And I pray that we would just be open to whatever you want to do in this service today. And that you would take the praise of these broken vessels and that it would somehow be pleasing to you, Lord. And that our hearts, Lord, would just walk away different than we walked into this place today. So, Lord, we love you and we honor you. So may we lift our voices and our hearts to you in eternal gratitude for all that you've done and for all that you are. It's in the most precious and holy name of your son, Jesus, that we can pray. And all the people of God said, amen. Good morning. Let's make a joyful noise. What do you think?
search the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough Then you came along And put me back together And every desire is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing Thank you. 
Come bring the kids and hang out in the gym. 
April 15th and every third Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Sip some hot coffee and chat with other moms as the kids play. Ladies, come get connected or reconnected at the Firewheel Women's Spring Fling, April 17th at 11 a.m. Bring a gently used purse to give and a sweet or savory snack to share. Sign up at the lobby kiosk by April 14th. For more information, email women at firewheelfellowship.com. Another way you can get involved is through surfing. The worship team is looking for more musicians and audiovisual volunteers willing to use their God-given gifts and talents. Contact Kathy at firewheelfellowship.com if interested. For more information on anything going on around Firewheel, go online to firewheelfellowship.com or you can always check us out on social media. Well, good morning, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. How are we? Good morning. Woo! Hey, uh, I just want to tell you, just hearing the church sing, isn't that wonderful? Just to hear us singing. Yeah, you, that was a really, that was not a good hand clap. Come on, y'all. Yeah! Um, so this morning, uh, we have an announcement for you. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful announcement. Um, but at the same time, there, there is a little bit of sadness with this announcement. But like really stoked too at the same time. Like how is that all mixed up together? Uh, if you don't know, come on over here. Right up front. Um, if you do not know, this is Leah Newman. She is our children's pastor. And she has been with us for quite a long time and done a phenomenal job. Uh, horsepower and uh, dynamite is, is how I would say, that's Leah packaged. Uh, and she is awesome. Uh, but she has an announcement uh, for us this morning. Leah? So I am going to retire. Um, I, <laughs> but hold on, y'all need to hear why. It's really, God is amazing, y'all. So... As most of y'all know, I have five daughters, and Michael and I have always said that um, when all of our kids were grown, we were going to retire to East Texas. So my daughter God's said, country. Me, "Huh? God's country? God's country? That's right. Is that right? Um, it is God's country. That's that. If you want to find God, go to East Texas. No, anyway. So Sydney, my daughter that was just singing, she decided to graduate high school a year early, and that's what COVID did to her. And then she got into Texas A and M." Um, and so she's moving on. Are there so, A&Mers in here? Right over there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, so she's moving off to A&M. So then Michael and I looked around and we're like, well, what are we going to do now? And remember I said we had always said we were going to retire at East, East Texas. Texas. Well, then his mother called and said, guess what? There is these 72 acres right here by me for sale. You should buy them. And I called and the real estate lady said, no, they took it off the market. And I was like, well, will you see if they want to sell it? And then they did. And so we bought it. So I'm going to be a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. No, like really. goats and chickens and... Goats, chickens, cows, all those farmer. things. It has been a dream of mine ever... I mean, like I said, like 30 years, long time. And Was God has put the, uh, every e single step in place. And on that farm there was a cow. Leave me alone. But I can't have pigs. Moo, moo, did you know that? Moo, moo there. Did you know I'm not allowed to have pigs? No, I did not know. Michael said if I brought a pig home, he was going to shoot it and turn it into bacon.
So anyway. Walking bacon. Yes. So back to the retirement. I am going to retire. I'll be here through the end of June. Yep. So we're, so kind of what that means is we're going to put together a committee. So some of you are going to get a request for me to come to a meeting. That's right. So we're going to put together a committee and we're going to teach you and they're going to hire a new children's pastor. That is and correct. Y'all are going to help this new children's pastor do a great job. Mm-hmm. I'm not dropping off the face of the earth. Y'all will see me. Yes, you will. Because this is home and I love y'all. I love your kids. I love them. I love Chris. But I'm going to go be a farmer. I'm not going to stand in the way of your dream. So uh, here's, here's what's going to happen. Over the next couple of weeks, uh, parents in the children's ministry, we're going to reach out to some of you, and we're going to be putting together a parent panel. Uh, we have put out a job post uh, through the available avenues or uh, the channels. And as we're getting resumes in and as we're talking about what we're looking for in our children's director or children's pastor position and in the children's ministries, we dream together. We're going to be working together to find that next candidate. There's no way that person is going to be able to fill Leah Newman's shoes. We are not going to have the, the gift of comparison. Uh, we're going to see who the Lord brings here, and it's going to be that person who's going to help us through that next, this next stage of our journey as a ministry and as a church. But I want us to please, can we stand together and just show our appreciation? And then I want, I want us all, we're going to open our hands. Let's open our hands. Lord Jesus, uh, before you, we place our sister Leah Newman and the whole Newman family. We thank you for the incredible rich blessings that they have been in our lives. We thank you for the real blood, sweat, and tears that they have poured in so that they can show our children your love, Jesus. They have been conduits of blessing and love to our church. And we ask abundant blessings over them as they move out to East Texas. Show them things uh, that just blow their hearts wide open of your love and your grace as you take them to a community. And Lord, we know that you're going to work powerfully through them. We pray your best blessings over them. And Lord, we have our hands open. We seek you. We ask you. You lead us as a church. You provide for us because you are the provider. We ask that you would show us who that next children's director or pastor is going to be. And we're going to be so thankful and so grateful for them as well. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Miss Leah. I have decided not to believe what she just announced. <laughs> so this morning we, we begin a brand new series, uh, and it's entitled Blank One Another, which is funny. Um, because I shared that last week, and I heard a couple of snickers out there. I'm not sure why. Anyway, so we're starting this brand new series called Blank One Another. So this morning, I have a blank. And uh, blanks are really, really powerful, and, and they have all kinds of purposes. And, and you know what's wonderful about them? They're, they have incredible potential. So this morning, I have a, I have a big blank, and this is what we're going to start with. And we're going to ask the question, uh, Lord, how should we fill in this blank? And I not only have a, a big blank, I have a big giant blank, right? Like, how are we going to fill this in? 
And we're, we're constantly blank fillers, right? Like in our life, we fill out blanks on applications and, and resumes and, and, and things that we do in our daily life. We're always being asked to fill in a blank. And, and whether it's a physical, literal blank, or it's just the blanks in our lives and relationships and in the community and the way that we work and live, and how are we going to fill in the blank? Well, this morning, we're going to start talking about that. Because it's one of the most significant questions. How are we as a church, how are we going to be filling in the blanks? And so we turn our attention to our next series. And, and question for you, how many of you have all had ad-libs? Do you all play with ad-libs? Ad-libs as a kid? Remember ad-libs? What was ad-libs? What was that all about? What did you say, mad-libs? You say mad, I say ad. So Mad Libs, y'all remember that? Now I realize every one of my slides is going to have an error in it. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, so anyway. So uh, Mad Libs, uh, they have blanks, and you're supposed to fill in the blanks. So I have a Mad Libs. It's going to say Ad Libs, but anyway, you can just bear with me here. So Firewheels Ad Libs. Here we go. Mad Libs. There is a blank in Rowlett, Texas named blank. This blank has incredible potential to blank. The blank with blank. Uh, through blank, intentional blank, and loving blank. So as you look at that, don't, don't look at the mistake, but think about, like, what does that mean? And like, how are we filling in the blanks? And so what I've done... Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, Matt! That stokes me out, man. You see how he did that? You got my back, homie. Thank you. The best team. I'm telling you, the best team of volunteers, servants, staff. Man. Okay, so the question is, how are we going to fill in the blanks? And so I've gone ahead and I filled in the blanks for us. Here it is. Firewheels Madlib. There is a church in Rowlett, Texas named Firewheel Bible Fellowship. This church has incredible potential to reach the least likelies with Jesus through sound biblical teaching, intentional discipleship, and loving community. Is that right? But it's going to depend on how we fill in the blanks. So we're picking up where we left off prior to Easter in our Together series, if y'all remember that. And, and we looked at that significant spiritual shift that needs to happen within the church where we move from me to we and from mine to ours. As we looked at what does it mean for us to build on a sound foundation, we looked at our three pillars as a church, sound biblical teaching, intentional discipleship, and loving community. That is what we are building this ministry on. And over the course of the series, I was relaying to you bits and pieces of what I am seeing. And this is what's so fascinating about this season. In the past, I have, I have often uh, mimicked vision. Y'all ever heard the verse, uh, without vision, the people perish? You ever heard that? So there's all this pressure on pastors to have a vision, have a vision, have a vision. Where are we going? Have a vision. And, and so I was always like trying to manufacture or mimic, like I was borrowing other people's vision. And here's what's crazy. You can't walk out somebody else's vision. You just can't. If God doesn't give you a vision, you can't just manufacture one and live that out. God's the one who gives a vision to leadership. 
And so for a long time, I was trying to figure out, like, where are we headed? Where are we going? And it was like, for the first time, the Lord has been showing me where we are going and what we can be as a church. And it's, a, it's phenomenal. It really is. It reminds me very much of Moses. He was telling the children of Israel, we're going to be going into a land that is flowing with milk and honey, full of fields we did not plant, houses we did not build, cisterns we did not dig. What was Moses doing? He was casting vision. He had never been to the promised land before. And in fact, in his lifetime, he never would. And what I feel like the Lord is doing right now is he's, he's giving vision for us as a ministry and where we're headed as a church and what we can be, and it may not even be about us. It may actually be about the next generation of believers whose lives and trajectory of spiritual life is going to be radically altered by the decisions that we make here and now as a church. So here's some things that I'm seeing. I see a church full of hungry Christians and curious visitors. I see a church that is fresh and alive and spiritually vibrant and life-giving, where there's a real excitement in the air. That we come and we're like, we don't quite know what God is doing, but we know that God is moving. A place where miracles are not theoretical, but are experiential where we see lives, true lives, real lives, being transformed through the gospel, where we're going to see marriages restored, addictions and spiritual bondage broken, a place where the lost are found and the broken are loved, a place where the powerful work of the Spirit is unleashed. So the people literally looking in from the outside may be like, you know what, I, I don't know about the, their whole message. But God is moving in that place. There's something different about those lives. I see a church that is reaching the least likelies with Jesus. That we stop trying to attract Christians from other churches. But we start inviting people who don't go to church. Who've never been to church. Who won't go unless someone invites them. Then we invite them and they're like, sure, I'll go. And we go, wow, that's it? That was easy. Yeah, it's that easy. There are people who are literally one invitation away from going to church for the first time in their lives. That's where I was. That was my personal experience. I was one invitation away. And my whole life was changed. I want to share just briefly what I saw Easter Sunday. I feel like I got a glimpse. You all don't get to see what I see. And I'm going to bring you guys up here. I'm going to let you all see the chairs from up here. Not, the, not right now, so stay seated. <laughs> but what I saw, on Easter Sunday, I saw people who had just gotten out of prison and those who were police officers sitting next to each other. I saw people who, who were from, from great means and, and maybe wealthy, but those from more humble means. I saw people who, who on the surface had everything together and those who on the surface were a mess. I saw young and old all together in one place. And the question is, what brought us all together? Jesus. That is absolutely right. I see a church where Jesus is the focal point. He is the one we worship. I see Jesus high and lifted up, drawing all people to himself as the scriptures record. I see a church 
where numbers, people are being added, those who are being saved, all types of people. People that wouldn't necessarily hang out come together in the church. Let this place look like heaven and that we would grow, spiritually grow, not just theoretical growth, but really grow spiritually. Sound biblical teaching where we open our scriptures. So let's open our Bibles. Does I say word? word? We're going to be in Galatians, beginning in Galatians chapter 3. We'll get there in just a minute. We're going to be people of the word, sound biblical teaching, intentional discipleship that if you plug in here, you will grow, and loving community. Loving community. What do I tell you every single week? You. It's a powerful message, isn't it? You know, sometimes I'll go out and hold signs with that, sign, that statement on it. And you know what I think to myself? For some people, it's the only time this day they're going to be told that they're loved. How profound is that? So this morning we begin this series. Because I, I can see. Are you seeing it? I mean, can you see what this church can be? I mean, do you see just a glimpse? For us to see it and experience it, though, the question is how we're going to fill in the blanks. This series that we are turning to is, is based upon the one another passages of the Scriptures. Very significant stuff. In fact, passages that are all connected by a single Greek word. It's one of my favorite words. I love how, I, I just love this word. And I'm going to teach you all the Greek word. You all ready for Greek class? No. <laughs> I said class. Our students are like, no. We've had enough class. I'm going to teach you a Greek word, and this will be cool, because you all be able to walk around and be like, I know Greek. Here it is. It's the Greek word, all alone. And that's how you say it, all alone. Everybody say it, all alone. Hey, you all know Greek. Look at you, ancient Koine Greek. You guys are scholars. And the word means one another, each other, mutually, together. It's a, it speaks of relationship. It speaks of togetherness. It's a, it's a beautiful word. In fact, it's more of a beautiful reality that we're brought together through something. There's something significant that brings us together. And, and when Jesus is the focus and we come together in the church, you know what we discover? We never have to be all alone again. Because we always, we always have together. We never have to be all alone. Because we have Christ and we have our brothers and sisters in the church. It's a word that when empowered by the Holy Spirit can bring about an incredible community of faith. And so these passages that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, I call these the all alone passages, all alone. And, and they provide us an intimate picture of what the church can be. It's a beautiful portrait. I want to show you just a glimpse of, of what, this, what this can mean. The church is beautiful, becomes beautiful when we love one another. How beautiful is that? The church is beautiful when we serve one another and we encourage one another and we are in harmony. We harmonize with one another. This is when the church is at her best. This is when the church is at her best. Beautiful. But before we get to the beauty, this morning we're going to talk about the ugly. It really is. It's all dependent on how we fill in the blank. That if we allow the slightest essence of legalism 
that spiritual toxin that creates a superiority in the church, this us versus them, where we look down our noses in judgment. If we allow the slightest essence of disunity or division or selfishness to run rampant or pride to be exalted, this is how our mad libs can read. <laughs> there was once a church in Raleigh, Texas, named Firewall Bible Fellowship. This church had incredible potential to reach the least likelies with the message of Jesus, but instead the church became toxic, spiritually sick. And in the end, the church closed its doors. We need to be very, very careful with how we fill in the blank. There are a few warning passages in the New Testament as it relates to one another, and as we go through these, some of us are going to be like, I can relate to that. Some of you are going to hear these passages in this discussion, and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that, I, I've lived that. Some of you are going to be like, uh, I've only had good experiences. I met a person at the gym this week. They were relaying how they don't go to church. They haven't really thought about going to church, but, but they didn't have any bad experiences. Like when they grew up, they had gone to a great church. Their grandmother had take them, taken them to church, and they, they just had these like cool memories. And I was like, well, you want to go again? And the person was like, well, sure, yeah, that sounds cool. Some of us have like great experiences. Some of you, you're like, I love my church. Firewheel's awesome. Like, this is so sweet. I love this place. You know, some of us, this is like the first time that you've ever been to church and you're like, this place is sweet. And you're right. It is sweet. But some of us also have like scars where things have gotten pretty awful and ugly. I've heard the stories and have experienced ugly. Man, we always have to be on the lookout for these issues. So we're going to talk through three ugly issues this morning. The first one is that the church becomes ugly when we bite and devour one another. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. It starts with beauty, and then it gets ugly. Galatians chapter 3, verse 15, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Wrong verse. <laughs> I've just been, I'm winning. I don't know what I'm winning today, but I'm winning. That's also a great passage. <laughs> Galatians 5, verse 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's like, it's caught up in the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 15, but... If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Oh, the church can be beautiful. But the church can also be really ugly. You see, Paul was writing to a church in the city of Galatia that was engaged in bitter division and rivalry and factions. There had been a group of legalists 
They had slipped in, been given platform, and they brought with them their divisive and caustic teaching. And a a bitter feud, family feud broke out like way worse than the Hatfields and the McCoys. I mean, they were just shooting back and forth at each other. This can happen. Bitter family feuds can happen in the church where brothers and sisters turn on one another. The words to bite and devour and consume, it has this picture of consuming something, bones and all. Man, Christians can chew each other up and spit each other out, can't they? And and, and it's a terrible experience. And people will do it, and they'll claim they're spirit-filled in the moment. Family, if we are biting and devouring one another, if we're tearing each other down, that's not Holy Spirit stuff. That's the flesh. We do that all by ourselves. It's an awful testimony, not only for those who are in the church, but it is also a horrible testimony to the community. People go, oh, I've heard of that place. Family, when we get our eyes off of Jesus, when we allow bitter rivalries and legalism, when we, when we turn from the grace of God, when the cross is emptied of its power, and we turn from the grace that is ours through Christ and the gospel, when instead of being humble, we exalt ourselves, instead of healing and helping one another, we step on and we hurt. The church can become a really ugly place. Family, let us not descend. Let us not descend to such depths where we bite or devour one another, we turn on one another. Let us be a church that loves one another. The church becomes ugly when we bite and devour first one another. Secondly, when we speak evil against one another. Let's turn in our Bibles now to James chapter 4, verse 11. Ah, I got that one right. Nice. <laughs> Listen to this. Oh, this one kind of hurts. Dang it. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or a sister judges his brother or sister, speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Like, what is James talking about here? What law is he referencing? Well, he's referencing the law of love. That any time we are judging another Christian for any reason— Anytime we are speaking ill of another person for any reason, we are literally breaking the law of love. This is one of those insidious sins in the church. It is an addiction as deadly as drugs, alcohol, pornography. And we often just assume that's normal. It's just the normal part of everyday Christian life. We just kind of speak evil against each other. This is where we take out our gossip rifles and we start to assassinate one another with our words. We judge the thoughts and intents of another person's heart. People for whom Christ died. These are those conversations where people carelessly speak poorly of pastors or church leaders or churches. Isn't that fun? 
Oh, have you heard about that pastor? Have you heard about that church? It's those exchanges where Christians get together for the fellowship of trash talking. You know what I'm talking about? We all get together. We just... It's sewage. It's absolute sewage. Check this out. It's where a wife or husband casually tears down their spouse among their friends. It's where a group of Christians collect together to callously malign and tear others down and then add insult to injury, splash it over Facebook. They don't do it directly. They do it kind of indirectly. It's kind of like vague. But we all know who they're talking about. Those people. That's right. We need to stop talking about others unless it's praise. So here's your principle. You all ready for a principle? This one's going to hurt. But you're going to have fun with this. You all ready? If you all say yeah. 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 Okay, so here's the principle. Here, here's, here's something you can apply this week. Every time you feel like speaking evil against another person, before you do, you have to speak ten praises over them. You've got to speak praise over them. So when you're, when you're sitting there and, and, and your wife or husband, they do that thing. Why are you doing that thing? What do you, mm, I love your hair. Mm, he mows a mean lawn. <sighs> Lord Jesus. Speak praise. Speak it out. Speak praise over that person. And you know what's going to happen? Heart changes. Let's talk heart surgery right there. We, we really do. We, unless, we, unless it's praise, we got to stop talking about others. When we speak evil, it's what I'm going to call the plank and speck disease. Matthew chapter 7, so flip left. Yeah, Matthew 7. This is such a good passage. I mean, we hear it quoted all the time. Judge not, lest you be judged. We say it all the time. But then we're like, have you seen that person? Can't believe they did that. Matthew 7 verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Paul, like, takes out his pen, and he's, he's thinking, I got to believe he's thinking about this one. In Romans chapter 14, verse 4, he says this. He says, who are you, who are you, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. Who are we to speak poorly about the Lord's servants? They don't rise or fall before us. We're not their master. We're not their Lord. Jesus says this. He says, judge not. That you be not judged, verse 2, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you literally. Like, when we measure somebody up, the Lord's like, okay, by the way, I'm just going to turn that taper back, and it, let's see how you measure up. And then check this out. Why? It's a question. It's like demanding an answer. Why? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother or sister's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye. Why? Why do we notice it? Well, here's why. Family, if we are seeing the speck, we are the ones who are spiritually sick. 
If I am seeing the speck in my brother or sister's eye, I am the one that's sick. Because why am I seeing that? If I'm seeing the speck in my spouse's eye, if I'm seeing the speck in my neighbor's eye, if I'm walking around and I'm the speck inspector, (laughs) who's got the problem? I do. If we are seeing the speck in our brothers or sisters or spouses or pastors or neighbors or anyone's eye, the problem isn't the speck. The problem isn't the other person. The problem isn't our eye. We don't need to see an optometrist. We need a cardiologist because the problem's our heart. Something has gone wrong. It's like a check engine light on the, on the, the console of the car. Something's wrong with the motor. Something's wrong with the spiritual motor. That's when I know I'm getting, I'm getting off track when I start seeing everybody else's flaws. That's when I'm like, i got to spend some more time with Jesus because right now I am not seeing things right. And it's not my eyes, it's my heart. There are entire congregations of Christians who need heart surgery. Family, we've got to be careful with our hearts and our words to not speak evil of, of any other person, to not tear each other down. Because you know what? It breaks the law of love. There is no greater law. And then the third and final, the church becomes ugly when we separate from one another. Oh, when we separate from one another. One of the great pastimes in the local church is for there to be a problem or a conflict or a disagreement. And instead of trying to find common ground and grace, instead of living out such passages, oh, listen to this, Ephesians 4.32. Tell me how beautiful this is. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. How can we forgive somebody unless somebody does us wrong? This, this literally speaks of there being conflict and there being issues and there being those times where we don't want to be kind and we don't want to be tender-hearted and we don't want to be forgiving and then we surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden we find ourselves empowered to do miraculous things like being kind and tender-hearted and forgiving as God and Christ forgave you. That's beautiful, but what happens often is there's a conflict and Christians just hold up the deuce and split the two and they just walk out. They just walk out of the church and they walk away from those relationships, and they walk away from their life group, and they walk away from people. And at times, if you get a big enough group, they just leave and start a new church. Or they go to a new church. I'm always hesitant when people come here and they got all these negative things to say about their pastor. Oh my gosh, you can't believe how sick this guy was and how messed up that church was. They made this decision. They totally turned away from the Lord and they're just blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, if you do that to your previous church, you're going to do that to this one. And then secondly, here's a question. What if the problem wasn't the pastor? What if the problem wasn't the church? What if the problem wasn't the decisions that were being made? What if the problem's your heart? Is that possible? Is that possible that our hearts can be sick? And we can blame everything else around us? The church is an easy target because it's something we can change. And we make these changes so quick. And maybe we miss out on an opportunity for the Lord to do an incredible work. If you're going to leave a church, leave well. And do it for the right reasons. And please do not speak negative of a church you've left. Don't do that. 
Because you may say something negative to a person who does not know Jesus and they may have been invited to that church and maybe that's the one thing they hear about that church and they never go to church again and they, they die separated from Jesus. I take us briefly to a passage that looks at separation. I'm going to read through this pretty quickly because we, there's a lot of ugly in this message, isn't there? Don't worry, I'm going to leave us with some beauty. Acts chapter 15, verse 36 through 39. There's, there's a couple of guys, and we try to romanticize this passage. Like we read this passage and we're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. No, it was bad. And we romanticize it because two faith giants, Paul and Barnabas, and they're about to start their second missionary journey. And they're full of the Spirit. They're like ready to go. But then there's a disagreement. Look at verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, Barney, let's return, visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barney's like, hey, that sounds great. But he wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So there's this guy. His name's John Mark. We call him Mark. He was on the first missionary journey. He got a little homesick, and he took off early. And so Paul's like, I don't really want to take a guy who's going to abandon the work. And Barnabas is like, Paul, I believe in this guy. See, Barnabas was an encourager. That's it's his name. It's not an encouragement. And he was an encourager for Paul. And he was like, let's just take John Mark. I believe, I believe in this guy. We can pour into him, Paul. And Paul's like, high D, high driving Paul. He's like, no, I got to get, get to the mission. We cannot have anybody who turns back. And, and so they, they, there's a sharp disagreement. In fact, verse 39, and this is what I'll call like a staffing issue. This is what it is. It's a staffing issue for missionary journey. And there's never any issues related to staff in the church, is there? And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they what? They separated from each other. These faithful men who had been together for so many years. And there's no indication in the New Testament that they ever came back together or reconciled. And I get it. Yes, I know Romans 8, 28. I get it. I know that, like, for those who love God, all things work together for good, right? God used it. God took Paul in one direction, Barney in another. But I have to believe that later on in life, both men matured and seasoned by time saw the error. Sharp disagreement is a part of the journey as believers. We're going to get sideways with each other, but don't just walk away because things get difficult. I've often had people come into my office, back up a dump truck, dump, and then walk out. There's a better way. There is a better approach. There's a better way to fill in the blanks. So at this point, I'm ready to turn from some ugly and some, let's look at some beautiful, right? How many of y'all want to see some beauty? Yeah, let's look at something beautiful. I'm just going to say this one last time. The church becomes ugly when we bite and devour one another, when we speak evil against one another, and when we separate from one another. That's, that's, that's the church at her ugliest. But the church is beautiful, becomes beautiful when we love one another. Oh man, when the love of God floods this place, floods our hearts, fills us, and then starts to flow out of us, this can be the most beautiful place on earth. It really can be. This church can literally be the most beautiful place on earth. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read over a series of passages that we're going to unpack over the next two weeks. And I'm just going to read it, just a plain reading of Scripture. And I want these verses just to wash over you, wash over your hearts. I'm going to call these the love passages. Everybody say love passages. Yeah. <laughs> John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. Jesus declares the new commandment, I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. John 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing favor and honor. Romans 13, 8, oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law of love. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to what? Love one another. First Peter 1 Peter 1.22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. First Peter 4.8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Did you hear that? Like, yo, covers it. And I love this. Oh, man. 1 John 3, 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should what? Love one another. There's the message. Love one another. And that's exactly where we're going to pick up next week. It's going to be a loving mess up in here. It's going to be awesome. Um, a few spiritual recommendations for us this week. I just want to say this. You are not all alone. You just aren't. We have one another. We have together. See, if we have Jesus and we have the church, we have each other. We never have to be all alone again. And I want to encourage you, plug into the church. Don't be, a, don't be a spiritual drifter. Just kind of drift in and drift out. Drift in and drift out. And maybe that's just where you're at right now. But I'm hoping that, that whatever you're drifting in and out on breaks down right in here. And you go, you know what? I'm going to stay. And I'm going to grow. This place is, it can be just absolutely beautiful. I love it. We have one another. Secondly, how are you going to fill in the blanks this week or how are we? So here it is. Our lives are filled with blanks. Every day we're presented with a new series of ad libs, mad libs, right? Blanks in our lives, right? Sometimes big blanks, sometimes little blanks. Blankety blank, blank, blank. So we have all these blanks. The question is, how are we going to fill them in? There's going to be blanks this week in your relationships with others. Circumstances are going to come up. And you're going to be like about ready to react or speak. Things are going to happen this week. We're going, to have, we're going to have blanks to fill in in our marriages and friendships and social media accounts. How about that for a blank? How are we going to fill that one in this week? 
our conversations, our interactions. How about the way we drive? How are we going to fill in that blank? Or the way we live or work? Our lives are filled with it. All these blanks. So how are we going to fill it in this week? Are we going to bite and devour? Are we going to speak evil love and, and devour? Are we, are we going to get all judgy and start seeing all the specks in everybody else's eyes? We're going to walk out here and be specking specters? Y'all never going to forget that. I, don't, I know that. That's 20 years ago, in a message, you said speck inspectors. It's weird stuff that sticks. Or are we going to allow the love of God to flood our hearts and our minds and permeate our life so it comes flowing out of us this week into everyone else's life? The only person we have control over is ourselves. How are we going to fill in the blanks this week? And then finally, get into the love passages. Because when we do, we reorient our minds to the law of love, a greater and higher ethic. So I have one last thing for you. I would like to invite you on a walk this afternoon. Only if you feel like this is something you want to be a part of. We're going to take a little vision walk right here on the property. It's going to take about 30 minutes. It's going to start about 15 minutes after service ends. You, your family, everybody's invited, but don't feel obligated. But I, I want to show you just a glimpse of some of the things that I'm seeing because I want you to have the, the opportunity to see it as well. And so again, 15 minutes after service, let's meet back in here and then we're going to take a prayer walk together. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the work that you are doing in our lives. We thank you for the work that you're doing here in this church. We thank you for the, the work that you're doing in this community of believers as we are growing together. Lord, we, we tangibly see you moving. We feel your presence. And we have a deep and, and satisfying gratitude, Lord, that you would love us to such an extent, that you would lay your life down, Lord Jesus, to suffer and die on the cross for our sins, that you were buried and you have risen. Friend, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, please hear this. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he has risen from the grave. The Bible declares that all who believe in the Lord Jesus, all who believe in his death and his burial for the payment of their sins will be forgiven. All who call out upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord's name is Jesus. If you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you feel him calling you right now at this moment from your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died for me. I believe you were buried, and I believe you have risen. Please, Jesus, save my life. If that is truly your heart's prayer, the most profound miracle has taken place. You've just passed from death to life, from spiritual blindness to sight. You are now a new creation. You have been cleansed and forgiven of your sins. You have received the Holy Spirit of God. You've become a son or daughter, true spiritual son or daughter of the living God. That's a miracle. Welcome to the family.
for us who are, who are seasoned believers, for us who have been walking with you, Lord, we, we pray this week that we would be filled fresh and anew with your spirit, fresh and anew with your love, that we'd be tangible conduits of love to a hurting world. Here we are, Lord Jesus, send us. May you be above all glorified, our Father in heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, through you, the Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. All right, family, let's stand together. Because it's time in 15 minutes to go on a prayer walk, <laughs> to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved. Now let's carry that love outside these doors and let's radically flood the community with it. Amen? And I will see you in 15 minutes if you're joining us for the prayer walk.